0: everyone. I'm Deb Blaschenberg, and thank you so much for joining me on Yoga Birth Babies. So today, we're going to start to look more at the parenting and the mothering aspect. We do a lot about birth, a lot about babies, a lot about yoga, but now we're going to look at what happens after you have your baby. And we have Hunter Clark Fields with us today. And just a little bit of a background. I'm going to read her bio, but just letting you guys know that I had the honor of being on her podcast, and she was the one that even introduced me to the whole idea of podcasting. And up until I actually understood what it was. I kept calling it a webinar, so she has educated (laughs) me quite a bit on this whole endeavor that I took. So let me tell you guys a little bit about Hunter. She holds a Master's of Science in Art Education. She's a registered yoga teacher and a Mindful Mama Mentor. She coaches smart, accomplished, overstressed moms on how to cultivate mindfulness in their daily lives. Hunter has over 20 years of experience in yoga and mindfulness practices and has taught thousands worldwide. She's a creator of the Yoga Stories Project podcast and the Mindful Parenting eight-week course. She thrives on serving others through mindfulness and yoga, practicing creative expression as an artist, and nurturing joy with her husband and her two daughters. And it is great joy that I welcome Hunter. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. I
1: can't believe I'm your, I've initiated you into the world of podcasting. It's so cool.
0: Yeah, I really (laughs) did. I really had no idea what I was doing that time. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I kind of had a better grasp because I probably would have talked about it a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah, I had no idea what I was doing, but I was honored to be on your podcast, The Yoga Stories Project, because you've really interviewed some wonderful yogis. So as I was looking through your website, you um, inspired me, the fact that I feel like I'm not particularly a mindful parent at times. So just letting you know where planning on starting, or I decided I'm going to start at Prenatal Yoga Center. I'm going to do my own, I'm calling my 30-day mindfulness parenting challenge. And every day I'm going to go on Facebook and just kind of report how it's going. Because as I was reading more about what you do, I realized that as I was also reading your bio, I am that accomplished overstressed mom (laughs) trying to do too much. And I realize I'm always like with my phone in my hand and sometimes to check work, sometimes just to distract myself, um, pretty quick to snap at my kids. So you really have inspired a lot. So I want to hear a little bit about your approach to mindful parenting and really even your own story of how you got there.
1: Uh, yeah, um, it's it's a pretty it's it's got its ugly moments. This story, you know, <laughs> as all our parenting stories do. It's just that we we don't ever talk about it, right? Um, I mean, it's such a beautiful journey. But <clears throat> I came to mindfulness before I was a parent. I had always struggled um, my whole life with kind of extreme sort of ups and downs. I felt like I was always on a roller coaster of emotions, and like, I can remember being, you know, 10 years old or something. And just like, I had been crying and my dad was like comforting me and rubbing my back. And he was saying to me, Oh Hunter, you know, um, this is just your artistic temperament and this is the way li- life will always be for you. And I was like, Oh my God, like great. Thanks dad. <laughs> this is so depressing. But anyway, <laughs> he was, he was right. And, um, and then finally, after years of of reading about mindfulness, um, I think I read about it for about 10 years before I actually started my own practice. At, at the age of 27, I started my own mindfulness practice, and I sat very regularly. And I, you know, I thought that kind of nothing was happening. But then after two months, I looked back, and I realized that. I hadn't been going into the dips, uh, the pits that I would fall into like, you know, weekly, biweekly for my whole life. And they went away. They just went away. I mean, it was pretty, it was so transformative for me. Um, I'd been practicing yoga for a while then. I was a yoga teacher, but I had never experienced anything like that. And, and it's really changed my life um, more than anything else. And then well, maybe I should say except for parenting, because yes. then I, I don't know what changes your life more than that. But um, when my daughter, my first daughter was born, it, she was. I don't know, it was kind of intense, like from the very beginning. Um, I've done a lot of artwork about the whole experience, but she, she was a really intense kid. And she was kind of, I guess you would call a spirited child from the beginning, kind of high needs. I remember like shaking and shushing her for long, long periods of time. Um, and then, you know, as she started walking and talking, this rage just came out of me and it was like it's amazing now you know I look back on it because I see these pictures of her when she was like two and it's there she's just so cute and I just want to like scoop her up right now but it's like it's amazing how I got so triggered by her Mm -hmm. you know and it's not really amazing like it happens to all of us but it's It's so, when you have this intention to, you know, to raise your children a certain way, you know, for me, I wanted to be peaceful. I wanted them to not have the baggage that I had, and I wanted, you know, I wanted things to be different. And then I was just kind of falling into these old patterns of, like, you know, it was the same anger my dad had at me. And it was like, uh, I just was so heartbroken by that and so disappointed that i i sent myself into like a world of of study like deepening my getting back to and deepening my mindfulness practice and then also um and this is you know the two things that go into the mindful parenting course but the mindfulness practice for the stress response but also learning how to you know like learning how to communicate because i would kind of I would be able to kinda of get calm and then I would say some stupid thing that my <laughs> my parents had, you know, maybe had said to me in the past or it was just in the culture and then my daughter would be triggered all over again and there'd be resistance and we would be back in the pit again and so I really saw that I needed mindfulness for the stress response and the communication skills that I didn't grow up with
0: that weren't natural to me. So the mindfulness practice, can you describe a little bit more? Is that like a meditation practice? Is it watching your breath? Is it grounding yourself by feeling your yourself sit down or your sit bones, your feet ground on the floor? What, would, what does that look like when you sit for your mindfulness practice and how you apply it when your kids are triggering you? Because I know like last night it was, it was ugly as I was trying to get Shay into the bathtub. And I was, and as I had been reading to prepare for this, I'm like, I will try to be mindful. And I found myself, I'm like, Deb, don't threaten to take his dessert away. Don't do it. Don't go to the threats. And I heard it coming out of my mouth. So, uh, and I told another parent, they're like, well, what else do you do if you don't threaten? So I, can you describe a little bit about what your mindfulness practices and then how you apply that?
1: Yeah. um, For me, I find that I really need a formal practice. Like, you know, there's wonderful ways to practice informally and to bring it into your daily life, like mindful dishwashing and things like that. But I really need, and I think a lot of people really need some kind of time where I'm saying I'm delineating this time to just sit and focus on my breath. And so I do a sitting mindfulness meditation. Um, you know, I've practiced in the tradition of Thich Nhat Hanh and learn meditation through that and just following my breath, relaxing my body, coming back to my breath when my mind wanders and, and, It can start really, really small. You know, it can be five minutes a day or two minutes a day, and and it really can actually make quite a difference at that time. Um, And what that does is it helps us—when you're practicing meditation, you're actually— you're actually like decreasing the uh, gray matter in your amygdala, which is your, the earliest evolved part of your brain. Is your fight or flight, fear response, stress response, right? And when you're actually doing this practice, you're decreasing that. Physically, it's, it's like physically in your brain. It's pretty amazing, and then you're increasing your the gray matter in your prefrontal cortex, which is your thoughtful part of your brain, which gives you, you know helps you respond more thoughtfully rather than reactively. Um, so, but it doesn't always work. Like you might still threaten to take away ice cream. <laughs> like a magic pill or anything like that, but it really does. It's really one of the only things research has shown to be able to work with our stress response really effectively and make lasting change. Um, and then in, in the ice cream situation, <laughs> yes, situation, please speak to that. Um, I mean, and that's why we get in you know, I, I realized that I really needed to pair this up with the skillful communication because I would get myself into a situation like your bath situation, and then I'd be like, Okay, I'm gonna take a breath. Ah, <sighs> you know, I'm gonna breathe, I'm gonna pause. And I would be able to get maybe that pause, that crucial pause, which is how we bring our mindfulness into those moments. Pause to come back to ourselves, right? I might you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe 60% of the time after a lot of practice, I'm going to get that pause. <laughs> it takes a lot of time, but I might get that pause, but then I might have this sort of thought pattern in myself, like, well, what the heck do I do to get them in the bath? If I'm not going to just take away this, because that's all I knew from my own parents before me. Right. And so that's where." I needed to learn, and I I did learn, you know, studying that skillful communication to find other ways to work with our children so that they are not resenting, you know, there's not resentment flowing back and forth, but there's more cooperation flowing back and forth.
0: See, I tried my... I have a background, um uh, my son went to a Montessori school for three years. So they would often say, don't do the threatening. And I'm like, okay. And they would say things like make it his choice. And he might not like the consequence. So I've been in situations where I'm like, you know, like the bath I tried. I'm like, well, if you don't take the bath, you know, I, I don't remember what I went to. I'm like, you know, you're still going to be sticky from the honey that's on your hand. But if you want to go to bed with that, cause we had honey and yogurt, that's our other treat. And I'm like, if you want to go to bed with that, and then all your sheets are going to get sticky, that's your choice. So I tried to make it about them taking ownership. Yeah. And then that didn't work. And so then I started to threaten the ice cream. So is that the kind of <laughs> skillful communication, like make it about them making a choice or is that completely different? Well,
1: I mean, like your son probably saw right through you. That really wasn't a choice for him, <laughs> was it? it? It wasn't an actual choice. It was like, how can I make this? I need that you to go you. take a bath into a choice, right? Which was great. Maybe it was better than, you know, screaming bloody murder at him. But Which we got um, to later. <laughs> you got to later. But, you know, what I might say in that situation is... Well, A, you know, is this like your problem or his problem? <laughs> I mean, it's true. It you know, it kind of it, it may be your problem because then you have to clean the sheets when they're sticky after that. You know, I don't know. How does how does this affect your
0: needs and and is it your problem, mm-hmm. Deborah? Debbie, yeah. Um, Sorry, Deb. (laughs) You know, truthfully, I just got stuck, and the reason I'm going into this and kind of divulging my own stuff is I think parents can relate to it because we've all been there. You know, the bath, the honey, that et cetera. So, yeah, was it really my problem? Yeah, the honey would have eventually gotten on the sheets. I would have had to clean it up. Whatever. The bigger thing was, I like to stick to routine, and I think bath sets the routine and helps calm. So, I guess part of being a mindful parent is being a flexible parent, perhaps and not being stuck on a certain way. I don't know. Well, no, no, no. I mean, I'm asking you because your example is a really
1: great one because it's totally real and it's really great for other people to hear that too. Um, But I mean, you might say to him, you know, if it really is your problem, you might say to him something like, you know, "Ah, You know, I'm feeling really frustrated right now because I know your bath calms you down. And plus, I know your sticky hands might get on the sheets and give me a lot of work to do, you know. So if if I say something like that to your son, like you're just being really honest, really congruent about how you're feeling, like, you know, I'm feeling really frustrated because I know bath helps you calm down for for bed. And, you know, these sheets, you know, how do you think he might respond to that?
0: That is a good question. Um he may it, it can go either way. He might hear that, but yet he might just say I don't want to take a bath. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, and and that's um part of what
1: some of the skills I learned through skillful communication of that, you know, <laughs> to, it's a, it's a little kind of hard to hear when you're the parent of a young child, but to a certain extent, you know, we actually can't control our children and they make that known pretty soon. You know, like they, you know, we can't control what they eat when they poop. You know, those are places like where they we really get into battles because they are like, I'm going to stake my claim. But, um, for the bath thing, you know, you might say like how this is making you feel and how it's making you feel really frustrated. And if he's really, if he's connected with you and he's like, oh wow, mommy's really frustrated and this is going to cause her a problem. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll say, okay, I I would like to take a bath. And then you might take it from there. But, um, you know, ultimately your choice is to either use influence, your influence and speak from the heart about how you're feeling in that situation or it's to use force and to use force you're um you know you're using like fear of punishment right or fear of taking something away and that um really causes a lot of resentment between you know your child feels a lot of resentment about that and then it it really reduces your influence later Hmm. so
0: that's interesting and important to (laughs) acknowledge
1: Yeah. I mean, these little things can, you know, they they build up kind of a history of, can I trust you? Are we connected? Do you listen to how I feel? Do, Do I listen to how you feel? All that stuff.
0: That's, that's, I, that really struck a chord, especially the influence later, because I do think as they're continuing to grow and get into even bigger issues that I want my kids to trust me and to have, that I have, my husband have a positive influence on their decision-making. So even hearing that, we could be diminishing that. At this point, you know, with a two and a five year old, something I don't want to do. So I guess it makes me really step back and think of the bigger picture and the consequences if I don't look at how to have more mindful parenting. That was, thank you. That was big.
1: Oh, good. I'm, I'm really glad. And it's hard to say exactly what you can do in every single situation, but it's just, these are different things to
0: look at as you kind of approach all these situations. So the mindful communication is more just not going into the threat, more into the how it makes, use I statements, and I guess. My husband's a social worker, exactly. so I hear that a lot. Use I statements. So talk to them. Well, what age do you feel that starts to work with? Because I can't imagine talking to my two-year-old in the same manner as I can my five-year-old. Like if I say it's bath time to the two-year-old and she really doesn't want to, I don't think she has the capacity to really reason and listen. So is there a point that you feel we can have this kind of give and take communication with kids? (sighs)
1: Yeah, and I think you can do it but bringing it down to their level. Um, you know, so if your 2-year-old has a problem with it, you might you might start by just acknowledging her problem. You know, um, oh, you don't you really don't want to take a bath, huh? I bet you would you'd rather just st- keep those nice sticky hands, wouldn't you? You know, and just kind of acknowledge her problem first. And sometimes that can help solve her problem. Like to be like, oh yeah, mommy gets me. Okay. okay. <laughs> and then you can use your I statement in a way that's better for a two-year-old. Like, I know you really don't want to take a bath, but you know, we, we have to take a bath because otherwise, will have sticky fingers and, you know, et cetera. So you can kind of bring it down to her level. um, But using the same kind of thing, I mean, you can even use the same kind of thing with the infant, like, oh, I see you're upset because, you know, you have a dirty diaper. Yucky, you know, (laughs) (laughs) just kind of giving them that respect of acknowledging where they are and just being honest and
0: from where you're coming from too it's right, so when we're this is really helpful and i think a lot of the listeners are going to get this. So that's talking yourself down. Do you ever find that you get really caught up in the the whirlwind argument and do you say so what if i'm hearing you say like you take a pause, you take a breath. What happens when you go I call it the dark rabbit hole, like really hard <laughs> how do you stay calm and grounded with your children when it, like the talking, the, the I statements when it's not working? You know, and, and absolutely it
1: doesn't work all the time, and sometimes they're in a bad place, and I'm maybe I haven't taken care, and <laughs> care of myself. And, I mean, the thing that I have to really be clear about is that I sucked at this. Like, I was terrible, which is why I really needed to study it and learn it so much, and I feel like it's so, so valuable. But um, there are definitely times where I'd be like... <sighs> I'm really angry. I have to leave this situation right now and I would go outside and put my hands on a rock. I mean, I'm not in New York, you know, but I would just like go and put my hands on this rock in my, my near my driveway and just breathe and ground yourself. Like, yeah, ground myself exactly. Like physically
0: like, with the rock like earth breathing.
1: (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And there have been plenty of times I've lost it. I mean, that's my biggest challenge is my temper. And sometimes it feels like it flares up out of nowhere. And when that happens, I try, I, as soon as I can, I come back to myself, I come back to my breathing. And if I've yelled at my kids, like I'll go in and say, wow, I really lost it. And I'm really sorry. And just acknowledge that mm-hmm. I wasn't perfect. You know, we're no one none of us are gonna be perfect at this, but to just apologize to them, I said it it wasn't called for me for me to yell at you and I'm sorry I scared you. You know, do you wanna talk? That's
0: great. That's yeah. something, that's a good, that's a really good takeaway. I have found myself apologizing because it hurts my feelings that I've hurt their feelings. You know, I don't want to ever hurt my children. So the fact that when I lost it, sometimes, you know, I have gone back and say, I'm really sorry for yelling and it usually opens a discussion. So that's another yeah, good and, takeaway. And we need that. I just really
1: want to say in here that you, when that happens, we really need to have a practice of self-compassion of understanding that we're not alone in losing it and that it doesn't make us a bad person. And that, you know, if you notice when that happens, you have a lot of voice in your head that's really critical and really harsh with a lot of shaming and blaming in your head. I really invite the listener to, to work with that and try to counteract that with some friendly messages to yourself and giving yourself an attitude of friendliness and self-compassion because those voices of shaming and blaming that we give ourselves aren't helping you learn and get better as a parent. They're actually making it more likely that the shame and blame message will come out to your children. That's good
0: information. Thank you. I have a few more questions. So what are some of the missteps you see parents making with their children? So it's a two-part question. And what are some tools that we can use? I guess we already talked about some of them, you know, to to deal with these specific missteps, you know, the grounding, the calming, the mindfulness. But do you see from all your work with the thousands of women you have worked with, the common issues or common, I don't want to use the word mistakes, um, areas of needing improvement? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: Well, you know, I think the probably the biggest one is that we kind of think that we're going to parenting is like, quote unquote, instinctual. And these kind of instinctual things that come out of our mouth are really just the habitual way our parents or our culture speaks to children. And so I think that's, um, that can be really, that's kind of the biggest thing is that we don't you know, we don't, we don't look into it. We don't learn, um, different ways to speak. Um, and I think another one is, I have two more. And I think another one is not being honest about how we feel. Right. Like, I think that, um, sometimes we try to like be fake, calm, (laughs) fake, mindful, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or, you know, or we think it's not okay for us to have our own feelings and like express them. You know, I think it's important for us to say like, oh, you know, I'm really frustrated right now. Or, oh, you know, um, I, you know, I feel kind of annoyed right now. Sorry. You know, just to be real and to be real, honest people with our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, And, and then, I, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is like, don't, your, your kids see right through you if you're trying to lie to them right about how you're feeling. And then the the other misstep I th- think I see is—that I see a lot of is doing too much, like over-parenting, like taking on all of our kids' problems and worrying about all of their problems. Um, and I think that this is very natural because when our kids are babies— All of their problems are our problems, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but as they grow up, um, we can have a lot of empathy and a lot of sympathy and help them maybe solve their problems, but we don't need to take on all of their problems as our own.
0: Does, Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so my son had his first day of kindergarten three days ago and he was on a bus for the first time by himself because I moved to the suburbs So now we're, we use buses here. So he got on the bus and he ended up sitting by himself. And I found I was the one more upset. And I didn't, mm. of course I couldn't tell him that, you know, I wasn't but I read and my husband's like, let him sit by himself. I'm like, of course. But I found, I got slightly sad. I'm like, he's sitting by himself. So when I asked him later, he's like, yeah, it was fine. I'd rather have sat with someone, but I recognize that I can't, solve his problem, that he has to work things out on his own. And and I find that as a parent a little painful but necessary. So I think, and this is just the beginning, you know, it's only five. So (laughs) I see that there are going to be many situations where I want to solve, but I have to let him work it out. And so the bus situation is just like one example of the big line of things with even greater issues you know, in costs ahead. So yeah, I, I get that, that we want to solve problems, but we, we shouldn't, and we can't do every problem. Yeah. Is that what yeah. you're speaking of?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's it's like we can't tolerate our kids being upset. You know, it, it sends a message that um, it's not OK for them to be upset or to have a problem, you know, that mm-hmm. for them to for us to be empathetic, to be sympathetic, give them a hug or whatever way we might help any other human being is great. But um, but we don't have to take on every single thing on, as their as their own. Yeah,
0: But I do, I could see what you're saying that that does happen because I've had to very consciously not try to solve every problem because I have a lot of friends and family that that has been their history with their family, their parents, that the parent would try to solve their problem. And now I have friends that are grown adults that don't know how to solve their own problems because someone always did. So that was definitely something that was in my consciousness of like, don't repeat that. (laughs) Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. (laughs) Not easy. Not easy. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that you work with a lot of overstressed moms. I'm going to definitely have you talk a little about your uh, mindful parenting course, but what would you say or how would you help the mother or partner who is overly exhausted, who is trying to do it all and just ends up burnt out and frustrated?
1: Oh, I know that's such a tough situation and there's so many of us today, right? Um, uh, Bridget Schulte's book Overwhelmed is like a great catalog of that experience, but um but yeah, I I really would say that uh, well um, for many women part of the problem is that we are well we may be taking on all our, our kids' problems, but we also may be taking on like almost every responsibility and trying to do everything for everybody else. This is kind of like the, you know, the cultural ideal, quote unquote, my air quotes are going, (laughs) woman (laughs) is this like self-sacrificing mother and things like that. And um, consciously or subconsciously, all of us have that image in our heads. And I would really say to these overly exhausted people is that your self-care, you know, and I'm not talking like going and getting a pedicure, although maybe it's that, I don't know, but your mindful self-care, your care of your soul and your taking care of your needs is not selfish. It's really actually very crucial that we take care of our own needs because the best thing we can give our kids is ourselves the gift of ourselves like love is attention and presence and love is not the stuff and it's not the activities and it's not the nice house and it's whatever love is our undivided attention if we are always going like a million miles an hour and if we are you know in a you know if we're never we're always on our phones we're always you know our kids really feel that. <clears throat> I mean, I'm not saying that I want you to like be gazing at your child, like with <laughs> loving long <laughs> and doe eyes for, like 12 hours a day. But, um, when you have time to be with them, to really, really be with them. And in order to do that, we need to have time to be comfortable in our own skin, to be with ourselves. And slowing down enough to be able to have some time each day to be with ourselves is the probably the best thing we can do for our lives even for the overachieving parents who who have so much to do it may actually help you have more focus and and concentration etc in your your all the other parts of your life having time to slow down and sit in quiet so that goes back
0: to, I guess we keep circling back to the idea of a mindfulness practice, your meditation practice. So two, five, 10, whatever minutes a day, consciously sitting there to say, I'm going to put the phone down. I'm not going to check the emails. I'm not going to look at social media. I'm not going to talk to anyone. I'm just going to try to be with myself. So, and I guess in the big scheme of it, the day, really, if you can just carve out a few minutes, you know, that yeah. that sounds like a really good idea. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: What What's that quote? Like, I think all of man's problems stem from them not being able to sit alone with themselves in a room. I can't remember who it was, like Pascal or something. But yeah, um it, it can make a big, big difference. And even just a few minutes can make a big difference. Yes.
0: find that I've been waking up a little earlier than my kids. My first instinct, although I have now started to not have this, my first instinct, for a while it was to reach out, turn my phone on, check what's going on. And now I just lay there and work on some mindful breathing. And it took a little bit to get there, but it definitely helps quiet and ground me. But I do remember, because um, I, I think you're not too far from my age, but being around before cell phones and iPods and iPods. <laughs> and I, I remember. Like, yeah. Oh, things must be been a lot calmer because it wasn't so long ago, and I had this so clear in my mind, that I remember heading down to the village and I forgot my phone and iPod because it was back when we had iPods, not just phones. And I had nothing on me and I'm like, it made me at first a little anxious. And then it was, and then it felt like freedom because at first mm-hmm. I'm like, what am I going to listen to it? I'm going to distract myself with, and then I'm like my own self. And it was only about five blocks ahead to walk, but it definitely, um kind of shook me up that I didn't have the distraction. And I think that's something culturally that we are not allowing ourselves to sit in a room by ourselves. You know, we're always plugged in far more than I remember growing up with. I don't know if you have a similar um, idea or background. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Although I do remember watching a lot of TV after school yeah. as a kid. Yeah, I we do had remember the Stones and some Brady Bunch going on. <laughs> I think I could still sing the Mister Ed theme song. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And one thing we do in our family that I I encourage people is is a nice idea if you want to try it is that we have a we do screen free Sunday. So we just have like one day a week, which is kind of like a Sabbath day, I guess you'd call it, where you just take a break, That's... take a break.
0: That's a great idea. we I don't know if on the weekends we'll do that because sometimes I need a little break and I'm like, let's watch yeah. Curious George. Um, so, but that's not a bad idea. Yeah, my you, girls are older now. <laughs> how old are your girls? They're six and nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can entertain themselves a little bit more. I look forward to those days. So what tips can you offer parents parent to use when they're right in the middle of dealing with a challenging child um, or... If you are at that point where your child just wants your attention, you know, mm, like, mm-hmm. you know like my son, sometimes he just wants me to play with him all the time, yeah. He's not even being difficult. He just wants me to play with him. Do you have any tips for that idea?
1: Yeah. Um, well, <clears throat> first let me go to the idea of the, the challenging time, right? Okay. Like when, when you have a challenging time, um, I, I think it's important to remember that, um, like, it's not your fault. Whatever your kid's upset feelings are, it's not your fault. And to also just think about the idea of like, and this also goes to like when he wants attention, right? Ooh. What are their needs that are they're trying to get met? Like as a child, so what needs are they trying to meet? And if they're acting badly, some most of the time they're feeling badly, and they're trying to meet some need. And also for your son who really wants attention, he's trying to meet his need for um, you know maybe you know you can, might be able to tell the, those moments or make a guess. Maybe it's he really wants to connect with you, or maybe he just wants a playmate. He wants a playmate. Or. <laughs> He wants a distraction and things like that. And, you know, you can decide in those moments. I mean, each moment is different. So you can see what your needs are in that moment. And if, if you know, it works out for you, like there's going to be some moments like, oh, wow, honey, you know, you really want to play with me. I, I can see that. Gosh, I wish I could. But right now I'm I'm really not in a place where I'm ready to play and I have to do X. And that's OK. You know, that happens kids will learn to le- deal with it, you know, or, you know, if you have time to play, you can might say, even if it's like Candyland, which is horrible. Oh my God. makes <laughs> <laughs> You want to die. But, um, you know, you might say, well, okay, I can give you five minutes for, you know, I'll give you 10 minutes. I can give you 10 minutes of my undivided attention and let's set a timer. And so in, sometimes it's helpful to do that. Like if, cause playing with your kids, I mean, some people really like it, but for me, I'm not actually, I don't like playing with my kids. Um, and a lot of people don't, and that's not, that's totally fine, you know? So, Sometimes I think if we set a timer and give them a time limit, that also gives us amount of time to be like, it's over soon. I'm going to practice mindfully being attentive for this 10 minutes and just be with my child and to get to know them. And then you know that you're done in 10 minutes.
0: Yeah. See, you said something that I want to highlight, that yeah. the not loving playing with your children. See, I want to highlight that because <laughs> I think that when I heard that, you said that, I'm like... Oh, the guilt. Because some things I love playing. Like when we get the art projects out, I'm all over it. Like let's do some Play-Doh. Let's paint. You know, that I can jump on. But when it's, you know, um, tic-tac-toe is one of his things. or There's so many outside playing. Totally not my thing. My husband loves the Legos. He could do that forever. But the fact that you just owned, you don't love playing with your children. I want to highlight that because I think so many people feel guilty. I know I often do. Just to recognize, you know, there are moments that I love being a mother and I kind of have this like, wow, this is what it's about. And then other moments I'm like, I don't really care for this. So thank you for putting it out there that it's okay not to love every moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, play, yeah. I I mean, I'm I'm really grateful that my girls play with each other or, you know, have friends because I, yeah, I'm not big on, it's hard for me to pretend to be, so, <laughs> pretend to be a wizard sometimes, you know, <laughs> just not. I'm like, I'll make dinner,
0: okay? I'm going to use my wand in here to make dinner. <laughs> <laughs> you play out there, me, I'm playing in here. Right. But I have some mom friends, more well, babysitters, I have a couple mom friends that really can get get on the floor and play. And I can just only do that on certain things. So you did take a, a heavy cloak of uh, guilt off of me. (laughs) You can be
1: a great mother and hate to play.
0: It's totally okay. (laughs) So do you have any tips on or takeaways for just simply enjoying being a parent more? Because again, there are times that's fantastic and other times it's just completely draining.
1: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I think, um, it is. It is completely draining. And especially, I think, when they're little, it's. it can be so draining. And I think um, when, you know, they – well, also, let me say this. Before I learned um, to get myself grounded and to have my skillful communication – we had so much more conflict then, um, that parenting was a lot more draining. And I think one thing, some of the things you can do to make parenting less draining is to, um, remember that ultimately, we, we can't control our kids. Like, we can't control their outcome. We can't control that. And we have to kind of let that go. And the thing is that if we can let go of trying to manipulate and control everything in our parenting lives and our kids' lives, and we can relax and just be with them as people— then we can start to enjoy them more. And if we can recognize that, you know, like they have needs, but also that we have our own needs too. And that as a parent, your needs are equally as important as your kids' needs. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we have the ability to delay meeting our needs because we're older, of course, and especially this changes with different ages of children. But we also have needs that need to be met as our kids have needs to be met. And, I think if we can get, um, release a little bit of the, um, control and to sort of come into more of a, more of a person to person relationship with our kids, I think that can help us shift into a more uh, positive way of enjoying our kids. Does that make sense? It does.
0: Yeah. I'm going to try that. Today, even because I know, once we you know end our chat, I'm going to be picking both kids up from uh, school, and then it's dinner and bath time. So, which is usually what I call like the turbulent darkness of our evening. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I am going to directly try to use this. You know, it's kind of have more of an ebb and flow, and still stick. Cause I am st- still pretty routine, but not trying necessarily to control, um, and just talk to them a little bit more as people. And all right. Yeah. Go I'll for it. How it goes. Um,
1: oh, there's, some um, that reminded me of, um, there's a, a, so I've read all these parenting books, but my husband read one parenting book, which uh, he then made me read, which was, I know he read two, but anyway, um, the idle parent, and it's it's kind of a little bit tongue in cheek, but it's this really funny parenting book, where this, sort of the ideal parenting scenario is that a group of parents get together in a field with some beers mm-hmm. and let their kids run, you know, just like run wild in the other part of the field, and I love that image because you know it's it's really sometimes as we as we let go, it's like oh you know our our kids really appreciate it too.
0: Well, <laughs> There had been many moments in my New York City mom friends that I used to hang out with when I lived in the up the west side might remember this. There was a few times we all met in the playground. It was actually called the Tot Lock because they were a little younger. And we would get pizza for dinner, and we'd bring some bottles of wine. Of course, we'd put the wine in sippy cups. And... <laughs> <laughs> I know. Totally crazy. Wait, honey,
1: don't drink that one. (laughs) That one's not yours.
0: So we would be on one side of the playground having our pizza. Of course, the kids could eat pizza too and wine. And the kids were on the other side just having the best time. And we were having the best time. And we could see them. There was communication, but there was separation. So, yes, I think... I totally get what that book that your, your husband read. In fact, I salute that book because <laughs> I like that idea. It's worked for us a few times, but yeah, it does help um, to have meet some of our own needs and to have some space. So yeah, I get that. Yeah. And I'll try it. I'm going to try it tonight. I'm going to try definitely the, the not threatening. I tried so hard not to threaten yesterday, but I'm going to try it again. So I guess it comes back to, and this is what I want to do with my 30 day challenge is to keep coming back to, all right, here, here's what I met that day. And here's what I tried to do. I didn't accomplish it, or maybe I did accomplish it, but I want to start to record it and just put it out there and see how it goes, you know, and then take ownership when there was success and when there wasn't and just see if, for myself, if in 30 days I can see any shift in how I feel and how I feel on parenting, maybe how my partner sees, you know, if my husband, because sometimes he can see I get a little strung out, but I just want to start to take some ownership and initiative and see how that goes. And I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> awesome. I can't wait to hear. So where can people find out about what you do, your mindful parenting workshop? Do you mind talking a little bit about that?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. Um people can go to mindful parenting and the course uh, page is there now and they can learn all about the eight week course. It's going to be starting on September 26. So really soon. And I'm, I'm really excited. I'll be teaching it uh, locally in person and I'll be teaching it online. And then, um, The other place you can find me is at HunterYoga.com. That's my general website. But the course is at MindfulParentingCourse.com.
0: I'll put all this in our show notes, of course. So before we wrap up, do you have any other little takeaway or tools or tips or anything that we didn't get a chance to talk about that you want to put out there? Um, I guess I would just say that,
1: you know, I think parenting is really about... It's about us so much more than it is about them in some ways in that parenting is about living what we want our kids to learn. If we want them to be kind and respectful, we need to actually be kind and respectful to them. You know, if we, they need to experience that in their lives. Like they need to experience somebody talking about their feelings and talking about their own mistakes, i.e. us, the parent, in order for them to know what that's like right so that work always comes back to us and that's why that that mindful self care is you know and that learning that you do is is absolutely um not selfish and it's really that time you take to be with yourself and to to look at your own baggage maybe and and maybe put down some of those bags is really is really
0: time well spent That is great. Thank you so much for giving us your time and your wisdom and your energy. I feel like I've learned a lot and I'm excited to jump forward with some of the things that you have already expressed and and that you put forth. So thank you so much, Hunter. And I'll let you know when this comes out. And for those that are listening that understand what Hunter's talking about, want to work with her, please check out her website and her course. I think you'll really enjoy it. Thanks so much. I hope you have a wonderful day. And thank you listeners. And if you liked the podcast, please tell your friends about it, go onto iTunes and Stitcher and rate and review us. And also those that are interested in our teacher training, just a reminder that our teacher training in New York, we are going to be doing it this fall and then also in the spring. And then we're also traveling. So if you want to study with myself and Caprice, check out our website, prenatalyogacenter.com and you can become a prenatal yoga teacher. All right. Thanks Hunter. I'll chat with you later.